And so I am excited to preach to you guys today. I'm excited to be here. So I'm going to read my verses, and then um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. So let's uh, read. We're going to be in Psalm 16, 5 through 11 today. Psalm 16, 5 through 11. So it says this. Thank you, Sophie. Thank you. So, Lord, you alone are my portion in my cup. You made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at, my, even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. Sorry. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My, my body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Hey, dear. Thanks for coming. So, um, let me pray, and um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Isn't it great? Anyway, so let's, uh, let's pray. So, dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you so much that you are here in this moment, God, and that you have written our story, God, and I know how this story ends, that you have defeated death, hell, and the grave, and that you are here in this moment, God. And I pray that everybody in this room gets an encounter with you, God, that while I'm speaking, while I'm doing this, that, God, that they would just hear from you. God, would you take over? Would you take the stage? And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So I know, I, like the past couple of weeks, I've talked a lot about me being married, but it's, you know, it's just the season I'm in. I'm in the honeymoon phase. It's all sunshine and rainbows. Nothing is wrong in this world. I have just gotten married. And you know what? It's great, isn't it? Isn't it so great? I'm really pointing you out today. So anyway, so, um, but see, the thing that I've never told you guys is how I ask faith to marry me. How I ask faith to marry me. Now, I am terrible, terrible with keeping gifts. I just want to tell somebody. I want to tell faith. I want to tell her what I got her, how much thought and time I put into this gift because I am a great gift giver and I need to let her know that I thought about this gift. And so when I got the ring, I almost told Faith in the car while we were driving to the restaurant. I just wanted to look at her and be like, hey, tonight I'm asking you to marry me because, you know. And, and then in the back of my head, I was like, she might be a little ticked off that I do that. And so I'm going to hold off. And I just wanted to like, we went to the Twisted Olive, great place, by the way. I would highly recommend it. And, um, and so while we're sitting there eating dinner, I just want to make sure that Faith knows that I'm not nervous or like there's no hint or giving away that I'm nervous. And so I ordered, I ordered a whole pizza and ate the whole thing. You know, no matter how I was feeling, no matter how nervous I was feeling, I ate that whole pizza. And I was like, all right, now she has no idea. And so I, and so I, um, so I then walk her out to this like little place. There's a ton of goose poop everywhere. So it's really romantic. And um, it's not the reservoir, by the way. But, um, and so I walk her out there and I say all this mushy and gushy stuff. And I won't, I won't tell you all that stuff because that's just between me and Sugar Bugger. But it's some great stuff. And, um, I'm really romantic. And so, um, and so, but I got down on one knee, I asked her, will you marry me? And she said, yes. She said, yes. And so the story I just told you had a, so 
So the story I just told you went like this. Something happened. Something happened. I bought a ring. I was going to ask Faith to marry me, and that was going to change Faith's world forever, for the better, you know? And so, this is a joke. Anyway, but, um, but because of something happening, that I bought a ring, that I asked her to, that I was going to ask her to marry me, and she said yes, something then will happen that I'm now filled and we are now filled with anticipation that we are going to get married. So something happened that will change everything. And then something will happen in the future because of that something happening. Does everybody understand all the somethings that I'm talking about right now? I hope you guys are tracking with me. And this is how the news goes. This is how the news goes. This is how stories go. That something has happened. It's usually really negative on the news that something has happened. Everything's going to change because of it. And now something will happen because of that something that happened. And then this is all of our, how our stories go, too, is that maybe you had an expectation for your story coming in today. Maybe you had an expectation of what your story would look like, that we all have a story that is being written by God, or that, that, that in the moment that you, I don't know, maybe you don't believe in God, or maybe you don't believe that God has been writing your story, but that, that you had an expectation for what your story would look like, that something would happen, that something maybe good would happen. Maybe you thought your relationship would stay intact. Maybe you thought that, um, maybe you thought that you'd be married by now. Maybe you thought you'd have a certain job by now. Maybe you'd have a certain amount of cars by now, that something would have happened that would have changed everything or something will happen for you. But the expectation of your story Maybe, you, maybe you're not where you thought you would be. Maybe you, you're not where you thought you would be in your story. Or maybe you thought something happened that you didn't want to happen. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe today you might be feeling tension for yourself. Or maybe you might be feeling tension towards somebody else. Or maybe you're even feeling tension towards God because you did not think that your story would make you end up here in this moment. And so maybe you're, maybe you're, maybe, yeah, maybe just today you're just feeling like I'm not where I should be at, and you're feeling tension between somebody, yourself, or God in this moment right now. And because of something that has happened in your life, or maybe because something that has happened or something that will happen, you had an unexpected battle that happened. You know, unexpected battle. Maybe you got a diagnosis. Maybe, again, maybe you got a divorce. Or maybe a relationship ended that you didn't think was going to end. Maybe you thought somebody was going to show up in your life. And, and because that somebody didn't show up, you then had some unexpected battles that other people didn't need to have. Or, or, and there could be so many different things of unexpected battles. Maybe you even had an unexpected battle happen to you this week. Maybe it happened a ton of years ago that is still affecting you to this day. And... And there was an unexpected battle in the Bible, and I think all of us know it, and we kind of come into this expectation of, like, I know how this story ends, is David and Goliath. And David and Goliath. Now, here's a side note that I'm just trying to help Pastor Shane with, is that I'm really happy that I don't, get, I don't have to preach on Christmas and Easter. Because everybody walks into this room thinking, I know how this story ends, I know what happens, I know that Jesus came and died for me, but I completely believe that if we actually came in with a new hunger and a new belief and a new understanding and said, I think God wants to show me a new part of the cross or a new reason why he came to this earth, that I believe that no matter if you've just been a Christian for six minutes or if you've been a Christian for 60 years, God would show you time and time again why Christmas is so important 
important and why Easter is so important. So we never, so may we never come into church assuming we know everything there is about Jesus. May we come with a fresh perspective and understanding and know I want to learn something more and have a revelation and understanding of who Jesus is. And so I hope I get a raise because I just helped Shane a little bit. But um, so, but what if we did that this year? What if we did this even now? And I guess I'm encouraging you with it now is that even when I'm talking about the story of David and Goliath, that you would come out with a fresh perspective and understanding of God wants to show me something new today. And I guess, and I guess what I'm trying to say too, too in, the, in the midst of, I know how this story ends with Christmas, Easter, and David and Goliath, is that we think we know how our story ends or how our story is going in the moment, but I think God has a different perspective on where you are at right now. And so I want you guys to see that today. All right, let's get into David and Goliath. David and Goliath was an unexpected battle for David. David was not expecting a battle that day. David did not show up to the battlefield expecting to fight someone. So we're going to read about it. So in 1 Samuel 17, 8 through, 1 Samuel 8, 17, 8 through 19, it says this. Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks, to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me if he is able to fight and kill me. We will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day, then the Philistine said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. All right, now here enters David, Goliath expecting a battle. Now David was the son of an Aphrathite, sure, named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in, in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time, he was very old. Jesse's three, son, three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first, first son was Eliab. The second, Abinadab. If anybody's looking for some baby names, these are pretty cool. And the third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the, Philistines, the Philistine came forward every morning and even, evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread to your brother and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit to see how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There was Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So I guess what you want to see here is that David thought that day that he was just bringing lunch to his, his brothers. That David had no expectations that he was going to fight a nine-foot giant or a six-foot giant, um, depending on what you think, but that David had no expectation for it, that David had no expectation was going to, what was going to happen to him. He was not prepared for battle that day. And I guess, and, and, but even yet so, that David had the confidence and understanding that he knew who he was going to battle with. And so when he showed up to the, the battle, or when he showed up to the fight, when he showed up, he knew who he was going to battle with. And so even when an unexpected battle happens to me or from, in, in my life, I know and I have the confidence that I know who I'm going to battle with. And so, and so that's what I want you to see today and have confidence just like David in that moment. See, in, in 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47, it says this. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. 
But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You see, when even there's an unexpected battle, we can understand that God is on our side and he is fighting for us. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This, day, this very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild armies, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Maybe some of those unexpected battles are just to show people around you and in your world that there is a living God who loves them and who cares for them and who is with them even in the battle. All those gathered here, all those gathered, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear. That, that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you all into our hands. God is fighting for us. God is with us. God is on our side, and we can have confidence that God is fighting with us because David have co had confidence because something had happened to David that changed him. You see, when nobody was looking, when nobody was around, David fought a lion and a bear, and he had an experience that he knew that God gave him the victory. You know, sometimes in our lives or when we're alone or when nobody's around that God shows up and gives us victory. Maybe when you're stressed and you couldn't sleep or maybe you're just losing sleep because of something that happened in your life. God showed up and did something for you. And so you can face Goliath and understand and remember that God showed up in my life. Maybe sometimes all we need to do when an unexpected battle is to remember that God has shown up and fought for me before. And to remember all the things that he has done in my life and carried me through and done all those things and showed up in my darkest moments and I can face Goliath and have confidence that Goliath will fall because Jesus has done stuff in my past to help me out. And maybe today you're also sitting here and thinking, I, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if I believe in God. I don't know if I can. I, I have so many questions. I don't think God has done a thing for me. Maybe then all you need to do is look on your row and ask somebody, what has God done for you? And just hear the stories of the things that God has done for them and just understand what God is doing. And is also anybody all ever thought like, so he remembers, he remembers, um, he remembers what had happened to him. So something has happened that changed everything. But something else has already happened. Does anybody else ever wonder when they're reading like the story of David? And we're all adults in here. So why the heck he goes this uncircumcised Philistine? I've always like, why is he pointing that out? But, it, but it's, it's really weird anyway. But anyway, but then I start to think about it, is that uncircumcision showed that he did not claim his life or he was not claimed by God. And David knew that he was claimed by God because, well, he was circumcised, but he made that choice that he was a part of the God's family and that God was fighting for him. And so my question today, my question for you today, is when we talk about David and Goliath and we say that David was at the disadvantage, my point now is that I don't think David was at a disadvantage at all. That really, at the end of the day, Goliath was at the disadvantage because when you see that how big God is and how big God is, that how big your God is that is fighting for you, realize no matter what Goliath you are facing, no matter what Goliath you are facing right now, that God is way bigger than any Goliath that you can face in your life. And so... I heard this from a preacher, and I really hope I get this right, but the, the level we see, the level we see our battles on is the level we fight with. And so when I see myself only fighting Goliath, 
by myself and I realize that I am way lower or I'm way beneath him and I don't have what it takes, I'm going to be stressed out and anxious. But when I see that I have a God that is way bigger than Goliath, that is way bigger, that created this whole universe, that holds the whole world in his hand, I can rest assured and I can sleep and understand that God is way bigger than Goliath. And so let's start seeing the odds, how they really are, that you have the advantage in this battle. David had the advantage in this battle. David and Goliath is no longer that Goliath is bigger. No, it is that David had the advantage the whole time. And now you can have the confidence, too, that you serve a God that is way bigger than Goliath. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, because I think when we start talking about Goliath, we see man against man. But in this moment, in this time, and, and what I guess what I'm trying to preach is just a moment of that we're not fighting against each other, that we're fighting against darkness and the things that defy, divide us. That yes, in this moment, in this Bible story, that David was fighting a physical man against man. But I hope that our hearts and understanding is that no longer are we fighting a Goliath that is us against them. No, it is us against the powers of darkness, and we are trying to bring people home. So in Ephesians 6, 12, it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly realms. <clears throat> so something has happened to David. He remembers, and it... it it, it, he remembers that God has got him through battles. He remembers that God has helped him kill a lion and a bear when his life was threatened. And so it has changed him, it has built up his confidence. But you know what? Something will happen to David. Something will happen to David. And I think that's also why he had a little bit of cockiness, because he was anointed to be, to be king by God. He was anointed to, to one day rule in the palace. And guess what? It hadn't happened yet. And so, and so there was a promise of David going into the palace. And so his story was not done being written yet. Just like all of us in this room, that our story is not done yet. But I think the question then is today is, okay, that's really cool. David, you know, had these things happen to him. I've never fought a lion or a bear and killed him. Um, and so he knows. Um, nor have I been anointed to be king of any place yet. So, um, so what has actually happened to me? What has actually happened to me that I can have confidence that I, whatever Goliath I face, God has the victory? In Acts 2, 22 through 20, 33, it says this. Peter is preaching to, to a lot of people. The start of the church. So it says this. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth Nazareth, Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible Oh my gosh, it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David's, David said about him, all right, does anybody remember these verses? I just read them. I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Can we keep going? 
Thank, thank you. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that our patriarch David died and was buried buried and his tomb is here to this day but he was a prophet and knew that god had promised him and us an oath that he would place oh sorry i'll go later not both of us but promised on him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne Seeing what was to come, and he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. You see, Peter now standing in the promise of God, Peter now understanding and seeing that Jesus died and was rose again, is now preaching to everybody that something has happened. Something has happened that is going to change everything, that Jesus has defeated death, that Jesus, that, that we are no longer bound by death, hell, and the grave. No, Jesus has defeated, he has rose from the dead. Jesus has done something that now changes history forever. And so whatever you're facing, whatever Goliath you are facing, just know that Jesus is above it that jesus has defeated he is the victorious king and so in this moment even though goliath is throwing threats at you or saying that you're not good enough know that god has defeated and we have the victory now that we are victorious in jesus that something has happened to all of us and is because of the g cross of jesus christ and so now I have confidence to face Goliath in the darkness because I know that Jesus is victorious. So something has happened and it changes everything, but also something will happen. Something will happen that one day all of us will be in the arms of our Heavenly Father and death will be no more and that, and that darkness will be no more and there will be no more pain, nor more crying, that something has happened. Jesus has raised from the dead and has changed everything in history, but now something will happen that he is coming again for you and for me and darkness will be no more. And so now all of those threats, all of those things that Goliath was throwing out to us, death and racism and injustice telling us we're not good enough, or Satan telling you you're not good enough, that the that, that things that have happened to you, you can't do anything, or you're not good enough. Nobody in our family has ever done that. Something has happened to you that you feel like you cannot do anything about. I just want you to know that all of those are empty threats from the devil, because just like Goliath was saying that there's nobody that can defeat me or throwing threats out to the Israelites, same thing with death throwing threats out to us. And now we understand, just like David, that all of those are empty threats. And Peter knew this too. Peter knew this too when he was preaching. Because I want you to think about Peter. Peter was a dude scared of a teenage girl asking him if he followed Jesus. And he cussed at her and said no. And then in Acts 12, he turns into this. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. When he saw that this was met, that this was this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. 
After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Stop. This dude is a preacher, and he has 16 people looking after him to make sure he doesn't get out. Are you serious? This dude is a bad man. You have 16 people looking after you because you preach, and you tell people that Jesus loves you and cares for you and died for you, and now you need to get baptized, and they see him as such a big problem that they need 16 people to look after him to make sure he doesn't get out. It looks like the bigger threat isn't to be the people putting you in chains or death putting you in chains. It looks like the gospel is the bigger threat in this world. Oh, that's all I'm saying, that when Rome sees that you are such a big threat to preaching the gospel, that you put 16 people attached to you, you are a big threat. And guess what? You have the same spirit that Jesus has in you, that Peter has in you. And so guess what? We are big threats. And so when, when Satan comes and throws threats at us, I, I, I got to stop because I got to keep going. But we are huge threats in this world, that we are a bigger threat to Satan than we think that we are. And he is trying to be downplay your gift and who you are. This dude had 16 people making sure that he didn't preach. That's crazy. He was a preacher. That's all he did. And they had to put 16 people to make sure he didn't get out and do it again. And so who really is the bigger threat in this situation? The people that have swords or the guy that has a Bible? So, all right, we got to keep going. So, all right, Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. I want you to see this. His friend just died. This dude was scared to death of a teenage girl, asking him if he was a part of Jesus' following. And then he sees Jesus die, or he rose again, and the guy turns into a person that was scared of a teenage girl to a guy that is sleeping the day before he dies. He is filled with so much confidence in understanding that Jesus has defeated death that he is sleeping. His friend just got his head cut off and he's sleeping, understanding the next day he's going to get killed. I believe that we are supposed to have the same confidence. That Peter knew that something had happened, that something had happened, that Jesus had defeated death, and he knew it in his spirit and in his soul. And so he knew that death was not the period, that death was only a common. So those empty threats of that, we will kill you, you need to stop preaching this gospel, it didn't mean a thing to him because he saw who Jesus was. And the reason I stopped at verse 6, because Peter had no idea he was getting out of prison. See, we know how the story ends, but Peter had no idea he was getting out of prison, and he was still sleeping. I pray and I hope I have this confidence and understanding of just what the cross and the resurrection actually means. So come what may in this world. Come what may, whatever Goliath comes my way, whatever God calls me to, whatever battle comes my way, every unexpected battle that may come my way, I now know that God has, Jesus has defeated it. He has rose from the dead. And so whatever Goliath is in your life, whatever Goliath is in my life, Jesus has defeated it. Something has happened in my life that he has saved me. He has shown me that he has defeated death. And one day I will be in his arms and I know whatever may come, even if they throw death threats at me, 
I can have confidence and understand that I have the victory in the end. And so whatever's going on in your life, whatever you're facing today, just know that Jesus has won. Even in the midst of the battle, Jesus has won. And that Goliath's clock is ticking. Goliath's clock is ticking. Darkness's clock is ticking. Death's clock is ticking. Racism's death's clock is ticking. Poverty's clock is ticking. Pain's clock is ticking. All of its clocks are ticking. Mine is not. The kingdom of God is not. All of those things, those will pass away and God's kingdom will last forever. And so I know how this story ends. I know how this story ends. One day I will see my, my creator and the one who loves me the most face to face. And all those things and all those Goliaths that I face will no longer be, I will no longer be bound by them. You see, David had understanding that one day the, pro, the, the palace was going to be promised to him. That he was going to live in a palace and he was going to be king and he was going to live in the promise that God had for him. Now, yeah, he messed up. He was a human when he was in the palace. But we also have a promise that something has happened to us. That Jesus has won and beaten death and has won and gotten the victory for us and now lays claim to all of our lives and we are his kids, we are his children. And some, that changes everything forever. And now something will happen that we will live in a palace with him one day. We do have a promise of a palace, that we will see him face to face. So come what may, I know how this story ends. Let me pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for what you're doing, God. We thank you so much that you have beaten death, hell, and the grave, that you are, that darkness no longer holds you down, God, that you, God, that you will not abandon my life, God. God, that you have come and that you have died and you have risen again, God. And may we live in confidence and hope and understanding that you will not be beaten. That you are a victorious king, God. And I pray that everybody in this room would just have a revelation that, I don't know, maybe today that we can just take a step forward in confidence and understanding exactly what the cross of Christ actually means. God, I pray that we are filled with hope and that we give this world hope. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.